Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, in whose birth we celebrate on this holy night. Amen. I've told you all before that when I travel, I like to stay in interesting places. And by interesting, what I really mean is cheap, run-down motels that offer more in the way of character than creature comforts. One place comes to mind, Granny's Ill, uh, Inn in Fraxville, Pennsylvania, Granny's Inn, which features a 15-foot-tall statue of a pretty creepy woman in the parking lot, one hand clutching a pie and the other the hand of a child who is even creepier. His other hand holding a teddy bear whose head has been smashed to pieces. I think I told you about that place before, but I don't think I mentioned uh, that motel in Wisconsin that had replaced all of its toilets and was selling the old ones in the parking lot for 25 bucks a piece. I go out of my way to find these places sometimes, but I never intended to stay at the Roadway Inn in Vermont. I'd arrived at the airport in Burlington, having traveled there to officiate the wedding of a good friend of mine, and my hotel reservation had been overbooked, so they had to put me up someplace else. You know how this works. They made arrangements at the nearby Roadway Inn. So I made my way over to that big kiosk in the airport where they have all of the local shuttles, but I couldn't find any place by that name. So I just looked them up online and gave them a call, and they said that they would send a car over right away, just for me. Not bad, I thought, appreciating the personal touch. I watched the beat-up jalopy rolling down the road before grinding to a halt right in front of me. A greasy-looking gentleman with a pretty impressive neck beard rolled down the window and announced, your chariot awaits. <laughs> I climbed in the back, expecting the typical banter that one finds in this sort of situation. You know, what brings you to town? You here for business or pleasure, that sort of thing. But instead of the usual small talk, he immediately says to me, I don't know why you decided to stay at this place, but man, you made a big mistake. <laughs> His language was a bit more colorful than that, but you get the idea. Turns out the driver was also the motel's security guard who told me that this was the most dangerous, run-down place he'd ever worked in. And upon arriving, I noticed a tall sign in the parking lot that read, Roadway Inn. At least I think that's what it said. Despite being 40 feet up in the air, it had somehow been completely shredded to pieces, its remnants blowing in the wind like a threadbare pirate flag. Look, just do yourself a favor, the driver told me as he parked the car. Lock your door and don't come out until morning. <laughs> now sometimes our accommodations are not quite what we had hoped for. I can't tell you how many times I've arrived at my room at some motel and found an unpleasant surprise waiting for me. The reek of cigarette smoke, 
an open suitcase lying on the bed belonging to someone who was apparently still checked in. Food left in the mini fridge. That was actually kind of a pleasant surprise, I guess. <laughs> and most inexplicably of all, a bathroom where all of the towels had been stuffed into the toilet as if in a fit of rage. But that's not quite right, my inner detective muses. The contours are too crisp, too clean. See how the towels are carefully arranged, lodged in the bowl like some kind of sculpture. This is a message. This was not a crime of passion or an outburst of anger, but rather something premeditated. This was personal. But I digress. Despite my less than stellar experiences, I don't envy the folks who have to manage these places. It's not an easy job. I don't think they're paid all that well, certainly not enough to deal with ornery travelers and the strange remains of their personal habits. And when things get busy, I have to imagine that it's difficult to keep up with everyone's demands. I've always been curious about the innkeeper in the nativity story and what his story is. While the text does not explicitly condemn him for relegating Mary and Joseph to the stable out back in the dead of winter, there's this implicit accusation in there that this guy couldn't be bothered to find better accommodations for a young pregnant woman on the verge of giving birth. In traditional Christmas pageants, the innkeeper is often portrayed as sleeping when they arrive, and he tries to send them away several times before he finally caves and lets them stay in, well, what was basically a cave. I recently read a story, though, that gave me a different perspective on this guy. It was a reflection written by a hotel manager in Fort Myers in the midst of Hurricane Ian, which wreaked total havoc in Florida not all that long ago. He speaks a little bit about the general challenges of the hospitality industry, if only to establish a kind of baseline for the usual stress. But this isn't a hotel management story, really, he writes. It's a witnessing tragedy up close story. We have people who came in for one night and will end up needing half a year. Elderly, infirm, elderly and infirm, those with special needs, parents with disabled children, children with disabled parents, or all of the above. Pure chaos, pure terror, no certainty. He goes on to describe numerous scenarios in which people end up sharing rooms or sleeping on the floor in the lobby. The worst still are the stories about folks like Mary and Joseph that he had to turn away and the grim calculus that determines who got to stay. It's like a twisted, sadistic, depressing version of a textbook math problem, he writes. You have 500 rooms, 370 rooms are in for another night tomorrow, 140 rooms are tied up for guaranteed reservations arriving tomorrow. You have 27 cancellations and early checkouts. You have 55 rooms with octogenarians, cancer patients, bedridden people, and people with disabilities that are due to leave tomorrow. How many cancer patients 
do you have to kick out? The answer is 38. You have to force out 38 rooms worth of people that you know have nowhere else to go and no means to fend for themselves. Whatever you decide, it was wrong for someone. Knowing that you've done your best is not enough. Now granted, this is an extreme situation in the midst of a devastating catastrophe, a real worst case scenario if there ever was one. So perhaps it's unfair to compare this guy's ordeal and the ordeal of his guests with the innkeeper from the Gospel of Luke. But remember that given the imperial census, everyone was traveling, all of the lodging was booked, every inn full to overflowing. There were no reservations to be made, no Airbnbs to take advantage of. It wasn't exactly a crisis, but there just wasn't any room. I saw a video recently of this obnoxious woman arguing with a hotel desk clerk, demanding that they find her a room even though they're completely full. The clerk patiently explains to her several times that if they give her a room, they will have to throw someone else out of theirs. We'll do that then, she says. She doesn't care. But you know, I think Jesus would care. I mean, can you really imagine a scenario in which Jesus demands that the innkeeper make room for him at the expense of someone else? Can you imagine him saying, I don't care who you have to throw out. I refuse to be born in a stable. Do you know who my father is? I know he's still in Mary's womb. He's not saying much of anything just yet, but you get the idea. Jesus never put himself before others. The idea that someone else should have to suffer for the sake of his comfort was anathema to him. He always taught us to put others first, to make room for their needs, even if it's at the expense of our wants. Jesus would not have wanted that innkeeper to toss anyone out on his behalf. I don't think Jesus ever wanted anyone to bow down to him, per se, or treat him like royalty. He wanted us to bow to each other, to celebrate one another and make space for other people in their stories. And when we make room for others, we make room for Jesus. Whatever you have done unto the least of these, he taught us, you did unto me. Our society, our world, and I'm, I'm really talking about all of human history here, we've always been really good at dividing people and shoving some of them off to the side, much in the same way that my son cuts the crust off of his peanut butter sandwiches and his pizza and pushes it to the edge of the plate. I recently attended a local Board of Education meeting because there are some parents in our community that want to ban books from the high school library. And listening to them plead their case, it became clear that they are especially critical of any books that verge from heteronormative experiences. Many of these books are memoirs, true stories that teenagers who identify as queer or gender fluid might turn to to help them navigate their own journey. 
Now, as I've said up here many times, and as I said at that meeting, along with members of this church, I think it's important that we make room for everyone's story in our schools, in our churches, in our community, in our world, in our lives, to further marginalize people who already live on the margins, people who are economically, racially, sexually disenfranchised, that isn't following Jesus. That's just kicking people when they're down. And whatever you have done unto the least of these, you did unto me. Now, I don't know if that hotel manager in Florida is a Christian, but I believe he did what Jesus would do during that week of terror and panic. With every space he could find for someone, every bed, every shared room, every vacant spot in the lobby, he carved out a place for their story. With every tearful interaction, every time he listened, gave them the time of day, he made room for their story. And wherever we make room for others, heaven and earth touch, as they did on that holy night. It's a stark contrast to much of our society where homeless folks are chased off of park benches and gay and lesbian and transgender folks are chased out of churches while others are chased out of the so-called American dream because of the color of their skin or for any other number of reasons. It's true that manager had to turn some people away, though it broke his heart to do it. But friends, we're operating within a broken system and its limitations, a broken world. In God's kingdom, which I suspect is less like an exclusive hotel and more like the stable out in back of the inn, there is room for everyone, from generation to generation. There's room for the boomers and the zoomers, for the rich and the poor, for folks of every political persuasion and sexual orientation, for people of every nation and race and faith, and for people without a nation and without faith. In that stable, around that manger, no one is turned away. There's room for Jesus and for his parents and for the shepherds and the animals and the angels and even the oft-maligned innkeeper. There's even room for you and for me. And in that holy place where there's room for every story, that's where we find Jesus in one another. And maybe that's what makes it holy. Merry Christmas. Amen.